The message today is not a message that is designed to use some kind of fear tactic to scare you from hell. But it is a message of burden. That hell is a real place and it will be full of people. People that have sat in churches, people that have sung on worship teams, preachers that have stood behind pulpits. Hell will be a place that will be full of people, but here's the sad reality of it. Hell was never created for us. You say, why would a loving God send people to hell then? If he's really a loving God, why would he send people to hell? Let me tell you something. He'll never send you to hell. You'll send yourself there. You've been given something called free will. He gave you free will. He gave you the ability to make decisions. Why? Because if everything was set up like one stage game of of chess, the grace of God would be null and void. There would be no need for grace if you couldn't make a decision to serve him. The reality of it is, is what we believe about eternity determines how we live today. This message, I desire to be a sobering alarm to the very real reality of something called eternity. For it is appointed for every man in this room to live and die and then the judgment. I need you to understand that the choices you make in this life determine where you spend eternity. You get one shot. Can I tell you that There's nothing in this life that is worth your eternity of eternal pain, suffering, and damnation. There is nothing in this life. No amount of money, no friendship, no acceptance, no sexual relationship, no high, no bondage. Nothing in this life is worth your eternity forever. You've only got one little schism of time to make things right with Jesus. You only have a short span, a little window that will determine the next thousand times, a million times, a thousand times, a million years known as eternity never 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 ending the message of hell is one of the most challenging and least preached messages in the church but here's the reason why because if this message is preached properly it causes people to reflect on God's heart his grace and his mercy But if this message is preached poorly, it causes people to have an uh, unhelpful installment of fear and it causes people to push back from a God that loves them and only worsens their understanding of who he is and his goodness and grace that he has towards you. There's been many men that have stood in pulpits and they've celebrated the idea of preaching sinners going to hell. But I want you to know that it grieves the heart of God that he has the idea of his creation burning for eternal damnation and eternal punishment. It grieves the heart of God. And it should grieve the heart of the church that there may be people sitting here today 
that will spend their eternity in hell. That's nothing to celebrate. It's, it's not in hopes to have a massive altar call. I don't celebrate that. What I celebrate is saints and sons and daughters having a revelation of a God that loves them so much that where there was no way, he made a way and he paid the way with the precious blood of Jesus. You can't understand the horrors of hell and not come into grasp with the glory of the gospel. His name is Jesus. Man, when you realize it should have been your punishment, when you realize it should have been your death, when you realize what you were deserving of, but there on the schism of time, God at his perfect time sends his son, the lamb of God that takes away the sins. And when hell was your punishment, God said, not over my dead body. The power of the gospel becomes so much more alive in the face of eternal punishment, damnation, and a place called hell. Churches have created a country club mentality. Every day's a Friday. Never live another Monday again. Messages of hope. And don't get me wrong, if there's one thing that people need is hope. I'm not coming against that. But the problem is, is hope in the absence of an understanding of eternity is no hope at all. For us to truly have hope, we must have hope that knows our hope holds eternal weight. It is not a hope to have a good day. It's a hope to have eternal life. It's a hope to know because Jesus got up, I get up too. That's hope. It's not hope that everyone likes me. It's not hope that everyone talks good about me. It's not hope that I have a bunch of friends. It's a hope understanding that I am a friend of God and that Jesus loves me and God made a way where there was no way. People that refuse to accept the reality of hell can never appreciate the glory of the gospel. Remember last week when I preached about heaven, 74% of people believe in a literal heaven. They believe that when you die, you go to a literal place called heaven. But do you know that only 39% believe in a literal hell? Now catch that. Of that 39%, only one half of 1%, so a half a percent of those people actually believe that they are going to hell. See, the Bible actually paints a totally different statistic. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, 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 many enter through it. Many enter through what? The broad way that leads to destruction. I want you to know ACDC was right. There really is a highway to hell, but there's a narrow path to eternal life. Broad is the way. It's easy to go to hell. All you got to do is live life to the fullest. All you got to do is live with no conviction. All you got to do is live absent from the sword of his word. All you got to do is live outside of the presence of prayer. All you got to do is live to become the best man that you can be. All you got to do is live with wealth on your mind. All you got to do is live life to the fullest. And I promise you, you'll march your way right to hell. Jesus said, unless you lose your life, 
you can't find it. The first thing that you must know, though, about hell is that hell was not created for you. I need everyone in this room to understand that this morning. That hell was not created for you. It was not created for me. Thank you, Trey. It was not created for anyone in this room. It wasn't even created for the prostitute down on the street corner. It wasn't created for the drug addict right now that, 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 that may have uh, come close to overdosing last night. It's not created for the drunk. It wasn't created for, for, the, for the people that are involved in sex trafficking. It was, hell wasn't even created for the ter- terrorists that flew their planes into the Twin Towers. Hell was not created for anyone. You know who hell was created for? Hell was created for Satan and his demons. Matter of fact, the word shows us that in Matthew 25. It says, and then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal life or into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Catch that part. Who was it prepared for? Catch this. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, come on. This is going to be good. I go to prepare a place for you. For in my father's house are many rooms. For if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. We used that scripture last week. Now catch this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. But catch this. He says, there is a place that was not prepared for you. He said, behold, I go to prepare a place for the devil and his demons. And there is where they should be. But here's the problem. Hell is literally enlarging because it was not created for you and me. But mankind is desiring so much to be there that hell had to get bigger and Jesus is in heaven and he's got rooms that are empty and he's saying, man, all I want you to do, I've gone to prepare a room for you. If you believe in me, you can come. He's saying, my house is plenty big enough to hold you, but hell's too small, but I'm literally having to make hell bigger because of the mass of the amount of people that want to go there. The best idea that the devil has ever convinced people of is that hell is not real. And by doing so, he deceives you into living a life of compromise. He deceives you in living a life that will cause you to join him spending eternity in hell. People that live absent from the revelation of hell and understanding that there is a real hell of of eternal punishment forever and ever and ever to never be with the Lord. See, if I was the devil... I'd convince you that there's no hell. I would make sure that you wouldn't take the idea of eternity seriously. If I was the devil, I would encourage you to live your life just however you want. See, if I was the devil, I would show you ways to justify your sin. If I was the devil, I'd make sure that you rejected Christ. If I was the devil, I would desire for people to walk in no fear of God. See, if I was Satan, I would make sure the world painted me in a very harmless way. 
See, I would make sure that in movies and in places where I, my character was displayed, they'd put me in some harmless, scrawny, red tight suit and there with a pitchfork. And I would be a scrawny person with little horns on my head. And maybe I'd show up like a cute character that shows up on your shoulder to tell you little bad ideas. See, if I was the devil, I'd make sure that when the world looked at me, they didn't take the seriousness of my desire for their life. I'd make sure that they wouldn't realize that I was really out to kill steal and destroy if I was the devil I'd make sure that you never realized who I really was see I'd make sure that nobody ever saw me for who I really am the embodiment of all evil I'd make sure that they never knew it was me that was behind every addiction abuse fear, and shame. I'd make sure they didn't know that I was the destroyer and the deceiver, that I was a dragon, a dark angel, a serpent, the adversary, the enemy, the tempter, the wicked one, the thief. I'd make sure that they definitely do not know that I was the father of all lies. I'm the prince of darkness, the angel of abyss, and I only come to steal joy, kill faith, destroy health, and ruin finances, and obliterate marriages. And if you're not careful, I'll take your children, and I'll drag them to hell too. I'd make sure that if I was the devil, nobody really knew how to take me serious. See, the truth is, though, is hell wasn't created for you and I. We spend our whole lives here on earth making sure that we don't show up somewhere where we're not invited. And yet people by the droves are going to a place that was never created for them. Catch that. We spend our whole life here making sure, oh, I don't want to, they didn't invite me, I'm not showing up. Let me tell you, newsflash, at 1030 Pearl Street, you were not invited to hell, so you better not show up. There is no invitation. If anything, there's a rejection. You should run as far as you can from it. Hell literally had to grow to accommodate the mass of people that were going. Isaiah 5 and 14 says, therefore hell hath enlarged herself. And opened up her mouth without measure and their glory and their multitude and their prompt. And he that rejoices shall descend into it. See, hell is a place of unspeakable suffering. Just like last week, I told you that it would be inadequate for me to properly describe heaven and the glories of heaven. That there's no way that my earthly lips could utter the glory and the power, the passion, the presence of Jesus in his fullness. There's no way, the only way that I could maybe, just maybe, cause the, cause the curtain to be opened. And for you to glimpse into the glory of heaven's splendor would just be to solely go into the word. And, and today, that's the only thing I can do to really relate to you the unspeakable suffering of what hell is i cannot because i've never been there glory to god and don't plan on going in jesus name but all i can do is go to the word show you what the word says and let you get a picture maybe just maybe of what hell is luke 16 verse 19 says there was a certain rich man i want you to understand the very first revelation that you need to catch off of this story is this is not jesus speaking in a parable he did not say, for the kingdom of God is like. He did not speak with a sim- as a simile. There was no symbolic. He said there was a certain. This is an absolute story about a certain man, a rich man, who was clothed in purple, who went to hell. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. 
But there was a certain beggar. Now somebody catch that. There was a certain beggar. So there's a real rich man and a real beggar. And his name was Lazarus. Not to be confused with Lazarus who was in the grave. Lazarus was a popular name like Michael back then. There was multiple Lazarus. Lazarus who was full of sores who laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. I want to stop right there before I go anywhere. So there's this beggar that's sitting at this gate of this rich man's house. This beggar's name is Lazarus. And the Bible is clear that even the dogs came to lick his sores. Catch that. The rich man who had every means of provision to take care of this man who was sitting at his gate passed him by but jesus is clear to point out the fact that even the dogs cared more about this man church i want you to become very well aware of the fact that regardless of how busy your life is there are people sitting at your gate and i'll be damned if the dogs of this world are going to lick wounds that I was called as a minister of the gospel to reach out and touch. I would be damned to think that those people that are sitting there wounded I got to expect the dogs of the world to come lick their wounds when Jesus gave us the wine, when he gave us the donkey to go to and be good Samaritans, pick them up and speak healing over their wounds. What's the revelation that I had in reading this scripture that I believe that people that are headed to hell are, have no understanding of their surroundings. I believe they're so caught up in life they are no longer their brother's keeper. They no longer care about the people that are sitting and hurting around them. They no longer care about your wounds. All they care about is their fine linen and purple. Which speaks of royalty. Verse 22. And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried and being in torments in Hades. I want to stop. I got to teach here for a minute. Last week I taught to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. This is before Jesus has gone and defeated death, hell, and the grave. So where did people go when they died before you know, Jesus did everything. There was a literal place that in here is named Abraham's bosom. What it was, it was a holding place until Jesus came to the earth and established everything that needed to be established. And the Bible is clear that he who ascended also descended. And when he went, he preached himself to them. And guys like Abraham, Isaac, Moses, all the saints of old walked out of this holding pattern forever to be with the Lord and enter into the joys. So what happened now, catch this. So there was this holding pattern called Abraham's bosom which is now where saints go for heaven and Abraham's bosom is no longer a place because Abraham we read in the scriptures last week is going to be at the marriage supper of the lamb y'all tracking with me now now Hades was also a, a holding pattern for those that were without God didn't want nothing to do with God that rejected God rejected God's law Hades was a holding pattern the Greek word literally becomes hell Hades becomes the place that opens up and becomes what we know as hell today and hell today is a real place okay just so you understand what's happening here so the beggar died and goes to this place, Abraham's bosom. The rich man dies and he goes to Hades. And he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember 
that in your lifetime you received good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from, uh, from there pass to us. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said to them, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. There is so much to unpack in this. Let me hit a couple points and then I'm going to move on and I'm going to give you four takeaways from this story. The first thing that you need to understand about this is that it is an absolute literal place and this man is very conscious of what's going on. There is one word that describes his state of being, torment. In a book that became a New York best time seller was known as 23 Minutes in Hell where the author of the book writes a story about how he was catapulted into the, into the pits of, of hell for 23 minutes. He was there and believed it was an assignment by the Lord to record what it is he's seen. There's been many people that have died and then come back to life, and they've talked about a transitional place, of, a, a, a hall of, of lights, a tunnel of light. They, they've talked about stepping into heaven, but there is also those that have died and come back to life and, to give a testimony of hell and torment. But I, I, there's one thing that in, in reading a commentary of the book uh, about 23 minutes in hell, one thing that he said is he said the torment and the level of torment, he said your earthly body can't even understand. See, heaven is a place where your body can't fully understand the joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. But hell is a place where it is torment unspeakable and full of pain. Take the measure of glory that will be revealed in heaven and then times it by a hundred million to understand the level of torment that will be revealed in hell. Not for a little while, but forever. Four takeaways from the documentary of hell. The first thing that you need to understand is the rich man was fully conscious and aware. Catch this, he had memories. And in there, in hell, he was living in pain, torment, and regret. He lived in this place of constant torment, full of memories. How, what, do you, what do you mean, preacher? How can you say he was full of memories? Because when he was there, what did he do? He remembered his father and his family. While he was there, he was in torment. He was in pain, but he was fully conscious and fully aware. For people who think that, yeah, I'll, I'll go to hell, but I'll be half asleep. I, it, it won't matter anyways. No, let me tell you something. I believe eternity is more real than this life. I believe that right now we're looking through the glass dimly. I believe there's a haze even in our mind. I believe there's a haze in our spirits. But I believe when we step into eternity, the haze will be removed. And that which we see in part, we will know fully just as we are fully known. The second thing that I need you to take away from the rich man's encounter in hell was the rich man's eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed. In other words, there was nothing he could do to get out of it. What a wait. What a wait. His eternity was sealed forever. 
He could never leave that place. And no one could ever come to him. And he could never go to them. Forever separated from God. Forever separated from friends. Forever separated from family. Forever eternal separation. See, when you make the decision to go to hell, and you've been there for 10,000 years, in the midst of the weeping, in the whips, midst of the gnashing of teeth, in the place where the worm never dies, in outer darkness, darkness like you've never seen before, where there is screams that penetrate your mind day in and day out, where there is no rest, where there is no sleep, where you are forever awake, when you are there and you've been there for 10,000 years, you can say at the end of those 10,000 years, you have no less time there than when you first began 10,000 years and after that 10,000 years you'll be able to realize you have no less time there than when you first began forever and ever and ever and ever to be without the Lord the third thing that I need you to understand about this story and this documentary of hell was the rich man knew that his suffering was just. Notice, he complained about his pain, he complained about his torment, and his thirst, but he never asked, why am I here? Why? Because those that are in hell will have a just understanding that they belong there. How can you say that? Catch this. Abraham is known as Father Abraham, to the Jews. Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. Okay, y'all get it. And so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Sorry. We just went to VBS on y'all. Catch this. Very key concept in this passage of scripture. The man is in hell but yet has rejected God, but in his moment of torment, calls Abraham father. What am I saying? In hell, it's not, it won't be that you don't know the Lord. I believe one of the torments of hell will be that you know him and you know everything you could have had. And you recognize his personality and his goodness. And yet you look at your life and in your memories you say, but I chose this. See, if the rich man would have understood what, what he could have had, if he would have understood Father on the other side of eternity, if he could have been like the thief on the cross that called him Lord before he died, then, then his eternity could have changed. I believe hell will be full of people that want to change their profession, but it will not change their placement. They'll call him Lord. The problem is, is they'll call him Lord from hell, never to be able to be removed. Notice, he didn't complain about his, he didn't complain about why am I here? Why? Because he knew that he was deserving of it. The fourth thing, and I'm coming to a close, is the rich man begged and pleaded for someone to help his brothers know Jesus. Whew. 
I believe one of the hardest parts of hell is it's going to be full of people that are there hoping that their family don't come. I believe hell is full of people now that if they could, they're shouting from hell saying, do whatever you got to do to serve the Lord now. Do whatever you got to do to serve Jesus faithfully. Don't be caught up with the trappings of this world. Don't be caught up with the lies of the father of lies. Do whatever you got to do to serve him now. If you could just if you could just dip your finger in the water just to give me just something to satisfy me. My life is without any satisfaction now. I believe hell is a place that is full of the greatest evangelists. But the problem is, is they can never leave and tell their message. I believe hell possesses the greatest passion for the souls of men to serve God faithfully. I believe that hell is full of men that if they could, they'd roar for the glory of God and preach the message on compromise. I believe hell is full of people that wish they could come out and shout to the world, don't you dare come to a place you're not invited to. The problem is they can't leave. Because what you believe about eternity today determines the life that you live. How do we have compromise in church? I'll tell you how. We've lost the vision of eternity. We thought it was about jobs. We thought it was about bigger ministries. We thought it was about fuller churches. No, let me tell you something. It's not about better marriages. It's not about being promoted. It's not about bank accounts full. It's not about big houses, it's not about new cars, it's not about nice shiny things. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? The Bible is clear that if you had a chance, you'd give it all back at the face of eternity to say, take the house, take the car, take it all. All I want is you, Jesus. All I want is you. What I'm saying is why not now? Why wait till then? Why can we not live our lives sold out to Jesus now? Saying you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. You are life, Jesus. Your life. Your life. Life is not all the stuff we make it out to be. We get so caught up in this junk. And we lose sight of what really matters. We get burdened on our jobs. We get overcome at the idea of parenting. We we get washed away when friendships dissolve. Let me tell you something. Though I lose every friend on earth, let me be found as a man still in friendship with Jesus. When it's all over with, nothing in this world matters but Him. The other night, I went to bed and I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was so burdened for my eternity. Say, Lord, don't let me. Don't let me be like Paul said. Woe unto me if I preach to others and myself become disqualified. I was like, Lord, let me really run the race and make it. 
I was burdened for eternity. Because you know what? If you're not careful, you get so caught up in all this junk. And it's all the plan of the enemy. If he can keep you focused on the now, you'll never realize what's next. And the next thing you know is you're standing at the door of eternity to face forever and ever and ever. And the problem is, is he had it one blended mess that you never got to see it with clarity. And if you would have saw it, you'd have pumped the brakes months ago and began to read your Bible. You would have started praying like you should have. You would have sought the face of God. You would have served him faithfully. You would have been in church every time the doors were open. But now it's too late. See, the devil's job is to convince you there is no hell. And if there is, don't take it serious. It's not that bad. In the face of a message that sounds like bad news, I got some really incredible good news for you, though. We're not good. No, not one of us. There's not one single person in this room, whether it's the man on this platform or the person sitting in that pew or even the child down there in Kingdom Kids or the sweet baby in that nursery. There's not one single good person in this building. No, not one. The Bible is clear that we have all sinned. God is holy and God is just. And because he is just, he must punish sin. If he will not punish sin, then he loses the nature of being just. And if he loses the nature of being just, he no longer can sit on the throne as the righteous judge. That's who he is. But catch this good news. God is not just just. God is love. And what does the Bible say about his love? I'm going to read a scripture, and I know you've heard it a hundred times, but I want you to hear me this morning like you've heard it the first time. Let this be like the first time you ever heard it. John 3, 16, and I'm going to read verse 17. For God so loved the world. Who? Not the church. Not the person that's got it all together. Not the person that, that, that shows up to church every day and sings. and Not the preacher. For God so loved the world. Who's the world? They're the messy they're the ones that hated God, hated the things of God. They didn't use his name to pray. They used his name to cuss each other out. Who is the world? The world is those that are sleeping around, those that are shacked up, those that are drunk, those that are, that, those that are bound, those that are addicted, those that are strung out, those that are looking for everything and anything they can to fill the void. For God so loved those people yes. that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal everlasting life everlasting life for to ever be with the lord for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved my god that's good news in the face of hell, in the face of eternal punishment, in the place that was not created for you, God said, i got to create a way because I love you too much to go there. He demonstrated it. Romans 6 and 23 said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5 and 8. I'm giving you all some good news this morning. 
For God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were the enemies we were reconciled to God through death of his son's son so much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life Jesus' death on the cross Paid a price for our sins. Your sin was death, but his death was payment for your sins. What was the cross? It was the most beautiful display of God's unmerited grace, favor, and love. What was the cross? It was a picture of how much he loves you. You say, what could a loving God do to send people to hell? He would never send anyone to hell, but you can go there willingly. You want to see what a loving God does? He takes his only son and puts him in a world that'll reject him, that'll spit on him, that'll beat him, that'll take spears, shove him in his side, that'll punch him in the face until he's bruised, that'll lash him on his back until his rib cage is exposed. And when he's dying, when he's bleeding, when he's running out, He'll breathe his last breath and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. That's what a loving God will do for you. That's what a loving God did. That's what he's done. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus said, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep, he'll leave the 99 to go after one. That's the mentality of the God you serve. That when everyone else had it together, he went after the one whose life was falling apart. He went after the one that walked away from him. My God, I don't know about you, but I've been the one. I've been the one that's been out there where I didn't belong, doing things I didn't need to be doing, hanging out with people I should have never been hanging out with. But Jesus came to where I was. He put me on his shoulder. He carried me back and came back celebrating. Leaving the 99 for the one sounds crazy until you're the one. That's the God that we serve. Stand with me all over this house. John 10 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. I don't know about you, but the end game sounds pretty easy this morning. Sounds like a pretty easy decision. But let me tell you something. Serving Jesus ain't easy. Why? Because your eternity is at stake. The goal of the enemy is to drag as many people as he can to hell with him. But God loved us so much that he sent his son to say, over my dead body. If you're going to go to hell, 
you're going to have to step over the body of Jesus. If you're going to go to hell, you're going to go there with the blood of his body on your souls as you walk there. You're going to have to. I promise you, if you'll come to Dominion Church, I'm going to preach it in such a way you'll have to trample the blood of Jesus to get to hell because I'm going to make sure if you're here this morning, you know that there's a God that loves you. He loves you just where you are. He wants to take you and save you and redeem you that you can be at joy, peace, and know what life really is. I feel his spirit here. He's alive and he's with us this morning. There's people here this morning that you need to make your life right with Jesus. This is what I'm going to do. If you're here this morning, you know, you know that there's areas of your life where you want it corrected and fixed to forever be with the Lord. Come right now. Don't put it off. Go now, now. Come, come, come. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. If the spirit of God's dealing with you, come right now. Come. Come, come, here they come. Come, 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 come. In the spirit of the bride say come. If you're here this morning and you know that you need to make things right with Jesus, don't you leave here today. Don't you leave here today not making it right. Don't you leave here today not knowing. Take this moment right now of his compelling love, his compelling favor, his compelling joy. Take it and embrace it and come right now to this altar.